0: Jumpy Ellie's baseball show. What's in a I called not call Jump PL I'm tuning into Jumpy Elli's Basketball Show And Jump Good Morning everybody Merry Christmas Happy Perspective New Year, Happy Hanukkah to everybody This is the Passball Show Brought to you by JohnPielli.com By St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey By Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck Located in Scranton, Pennsylvania As always, going to go over a handful of stuff Going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America And just a reminder, Wednesday, the 30th of December Should be a pretty good show it's basically a recap of what will be the 70 shows that we've done this year. The best of my takes, the worst of my takes, even throw in some comments from some of the listeners over the course of the 2020 year. Um, this year has been good for the past ball show in regards to getting out to people and you know people that are following the show right now. Um, a lot of you figured out. You know a little more about the show this year. And I hope to continue to expand on that in the future. But the next show should be fun. We're going to go through the top takes of the year. Um, Thinking about basketball on Christmas today. Uh, Josh Bell going to the Nationals. And I think once again, the Nationals, really in the National League East, seem to be that one team that just every year seems to do everything they can to give their fans... Something to be excited about and to give their fans an opportunity to feel like this is a team that's going to go out there and try to win the whole thing. Even in the years where the Nationals weren't, we'll touch on that in a little bit, but in an odd twist, in an Al Bundy, four touchdowns in one game type of way, uh, if you followed sports yesterday, the thing that stands out is Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints going out there and scoring six touchdowns and kind of doing it in a pretty easy way. And it's amazing how quick the, the amount of touchdowns that he scored escalated. And part of it's the Minnesota defense, Minnesota Vikings, who are a team that with their ninth loss are eliminated from postseason contention. And you could consider it a very disappointing season for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, a big part of it is their defense. They go out there and they give up 52 points. And I understand that the Saints are a team that can score. They can go out there and put a lot of points on the board. And, you know, Sean Payton as a head coach isn't one to kind of uh, let teams catch up. If he's got a chance to move the ball down the field, he's not going to let up in any way, shape, or form. And I don't have any issue with that. But, you know, the Vikings defense, it's been bad this year. And it's been a reason why – Uh, The Vikings are not going to be going to the playoffs. But, you know, Alvin Kamara to go out there and have a, a game like that, 150 yards, six touchdowns. It's just amazing to think that in the history of the National Football League, it had only been done one other time. And I'm not throwing information you haven't been known. As soon as Alvin Kamara scored six touchdowns, all of a sudden everybody's on their little mobile device on their computer going to look up to see, hey, is there anybody that's rushed for six touchdowns in a game? And we know that Ernie Nevers has. And Ernie Nevers was a two-sport athlete. He used to be a pitcher. He struck out Babe Ruth, both struck him out and gave up two home runs in 1927 in Ruth's uh, historic 60-home run season. But, you know, it's just amazing. You think of the run of great running backs we've had in this sport, whether it's Emmitt Smith, whether it's Barry Sanders, uh, going back to the days of Gale Sayers, the late Gale Sayers and Walter Payton and Eric Dickerson. And you could just name great running back after great running back from Earl Campbell to. You know, if you get into a contemporary form, you think of the likes of the Adrian Petersons and the Frank Gores and the the great games that they've had over the long term time of their careers. And this is only the second time you've seen somebody score six touchdowns. And I think there's a couple different ways you could go with this. You could think of, well, how come you know Eric Dickerson never scored six touchdowns in a game? How come the juice Never scored six touchdowns in a game. And I I really do think there's a little bit of a change in the NFL. But, I mean, this is kind of a freak occurrence. Because you would think in most blowouts, which this really wasn't a blowout, you know, the last couple scores that the Saints had end up kind of pulling away in this one. And the final score, you know, did look a little more deceiving in regards to how close of a game this was the Vikings trailed the majority of it, but we're within enough of a striking distance. Even when they scored that touchdown later on, they got a chance with the onside kick. We know about the percentages of onside kicks in the National Football League. Now it's nowhere near what it used to be, but this was a game that was a little bit closer. And I think that allowed for Kamara to continue to be in a game, for him to continue to be in goal line type of scenarios with the ball in his hands as the Saints kind of felt like they needed to score every time they had the ball. Now, that last score, when they go up there, they got 52 points on the board. Uh, it might have been a little too much, but it was the historic one. It was the one that put Alvin Kamara in the history books, six touchdowns, one game. And I'll tell you, that's I, I'm trying to think of it, trying to equate it, what it would be in other sports. Six touchdowns in one game, is that five goals in a game if you're playing hockey? Is that, I don't know, 70 points, 80 points in an NBA game? Is that five home runs? Because we've never seen five home runs in a Major League Baseball game. We've seen four. And obviously, on a, you know, the amateur level, when it comes to high school, college, you know, there's been a couple uh, records of five or six home runs in a game. But you know, we understand that that competition isn't necessarily fair. But in, in a pro's There's never been five home runs in a game. And like I said, hockey is at five goals. And we know if we go back in the deeper times of the National Hockey League, we think of five goals and six goals and even seven goals really not being so crazy. Now it is. Four goals in a game in a National Hockey League game is amazing. How many points in an NBA game will be the equivalent to six touchdowns? I'll put a poll up and we'll we'll see if we can get a couple of votes i'm curious to see where that feat kind of ranks but congratulations to alvin kamar he really you know, has proven himself over the last handful of years being one of the more explosive dynamic multi-talented running backs in the national football league and remember he was a backup kind of sharing time with mark ingram it was what three years ago And all of a sudden, he kind of emerged as the RB one, and has become one of the best in the game. Now, you know the Le'Veon Bell's in the world have not been the same, but you know, in 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 the time that we've gotten into, Kamara's become what he what he is. He probably is the best running back in a league right now. So, what I did want to get into is you think of the Washington Nationals, the. 2019 World Series champions. Now, they did have a disappointing season in 2020. But if there is a season where you could kind of excuse and say, you know what? Nothing was really right. I don't know if this season really counted. It's probably this baseball season, Uh, a 60-game baseball season, something that we've never seen. You have to go back to the 1880s to see a time where any Professional Baseball League had a season so short. So the Nationals prior to that won the World Series. They're still kind of living in a honeymoon phase, perhaps the hangover of a World Series championship. And one thing you could tell, and I'm not the hugest fan, I'm not the biggest fan of Mike Rizzo as a a general manager. I, I think he blames his managers a little bit too much. I think he thinks a little too much of himself when he assembles a team. Um, I looked back from the years of, let's say from when Jim Riggleman quit because he wouldn't get an extension after he got the team over 500 to Davey Johnson, to Matt Williams, to Dusty Baker, to Davey Martinez. You know, the fact that You know, in order to build stability within an organization, you wanna have somebody in your dugout in that leadership position. And I understand that the manager in Major League Baseball now doesn't do very much at all in regards to controlling the game. To have that manager and be the scapegoat was something that I kind of held against Mike Rizzo. But I'm gonna give him credit. I'm gonna give him props right here because I think this is a guy that cares enough about this franchise winning And since he built it up From the days of These first round number one overall draft picks By the name of Steven Strausberg And Bryce Harper And obviously you've seen some of the other Great young players that have come in here Mike Rizzo has kept His foot on the throttle He has put his foot in the bottom Of the pedal And is going for it every single season And if I'm a Nationals fan you got to be pretty excited First of all World Series just a couple years ago. There's only been one World Series champion since the Nats were the champions of baseball in regards to the World Series. But I love the trade for Josh Bell because it just shows that Mike Rizzo is identifying a need in regards to offense. A power hitter in the middle of the order and he has wanted over the last couple years for that player to be a first baseman. And we understand Ryan Zimmerman is not what he used to be. Ryan Zimmerman is an all-time Washington National. He should be a Washington National Hall of Famer. His number should be retired. He's one of the greatest players that the Nationals have ever had. But we understand that he's probably not what he used to be. And you, you they need a first baseman. So they went out there a couple years ago and they signed Matt Adams for the Cardinals and the Braves. Matt Adams never emerged as an absolute all-star. Eric Thames with the Milwaukee Brewers had a good, con- had a, had a great running career. Had signed a three-year deal with the Milwaukee Brewers, and Mike Rizzo's like, hey, if this guy is about to enter the prime of his career, I want it to be here with the Washington Nationals. I'm going to sign him to a one-year deal, and if he goes out, he breaks out. We're going to extend him long-term. That didn't quite work out. So now you think of Josh Bell. And man, I'll tell you this If you look at the Pittsburgh Pirates And man, I think of my frustration as being a Mets fan Imagine being a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates And I know there's a lot of loyal fans in the Pittsburgh area But also nationally I think there's a lot of Steeler fans in all different areas of the country Some of them say, hey, I'm going to root for the Pirates too And the Pirates, just like a lot of other Major League Baseball teams Have millions and millions of fans throughout They haven't won a World Series since 1979. You know about the 20 year stretch that they went between 1993, I'm sorry, 1992. And when did they make the playoffs, 2011, 2012? 20 years of just not even mediocrity, dreadfulness, poor decisions, making it like you're not even trying. They can't they get number one draft picks they can't even make the right draft picks and their team is always there's players for sale they're moving players here left right getting minimal returns they make the playoffs for a couple years and all of a sudden you're like all right maybe this team's starting to build you know the Andrew McCutcheon's of the world the Garrett Coles that are on our roster and then they start moving those guys out and he realized that this probably is a situation where the owner doesn't have enough money to be able to afford a major league baseball payroll. And I don't wanna get into the baseball payrolls. You know, we, we understand that baseball could benefit from a salary cap in conjunction with a salary floor, forcing the teams like the Pittsburgh's, the Tampa Bay's, the Oakland's, the Cleveland's. You know, those are kind of some of the worst, but there's other ones out there that are trying the best they can to keep their payrolls as low as possible so they turn the best bottom line that they possibly can. But I feel lawful for the Pirates. I feel like Josh Bell is an exciting young star. That should be the player that he should be building their team around. That should be the player that they should extend long-term well into his free agency and say, you know what? That's gonna be the Trout of our team. Mike Trout's extended forever in Los Angeles with the Angels. You think of Nolan Arenado, and uh, of course, he's a a prime trade candidate, but we know that he signed a long-term extension with an opt-out clause at the end of this year. But, you know, you think of Josh Bell, and I just just thought it would be best for baseball for Josh Bell to stay in Pittsburgh. That being said, you know, kudos to Mike Rizzo to say, you know what, are you looking to trade this guy? Because if you are, I'm interested. And he worked out a deal. He gave up a couple of good young pitchers. And we don't know. One of them pitched in the major leagues. The other one hasn't yet. The one that hasn't in the major leagues yet is is somebody that has a little more upside. But, you know, if you're the Pirates, maybe you take these couple building blocks and start going forward. You know, Ben Sherrington's in there as a general manager. He's a guy that I trust more than a couple of the guys that they had before. And you look at the Pirates and maybe Sherrington saying, hey, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do it my way. Maybe maybe pretty similar to Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman with the Miami Marlins. Yeah, it's going to be another rebuild. But this one, we're going to kind of back it with our support once this thing turns around. You know, backing it with your support would have meant not trading Josh Bell. But remember, Josh Bell was not somebody that Ben Sherrington drafted or brought into the organization. But if you think of it, and it's it's been, you know, the poster child, if you think about it, the Pittsburgh Pirates for years in Major League Baseball have been that team that you could, you know, for lack of a, a silly reverse pun, pirate, and rob and steal and take and raid for the talent that's there. Now, sometimes, you know, players like Garrett Cole, and I'm sure will be with Josh Bell, will turn out to be great assets for the teams that they're traded to. But other times, not so much. You know, you think of Nate sort of the world that ended up really, you know, not resulting in very much. You know, Mark Melanson struggled when he went to the the Washington Nationals and then got his next deal to San Francisco Giants. You know, you think of Joel Hanrahan who was traded to the Red Sox and did absolutely nothing before ending his career or retiring after a series of and bouts of injuries but if i'm if i'm a team in baseball i'm gonna start picking on the pirates and see what talent they have there they may be willing to give you and i don't know if it's for pennies on the dollar and i don't even know if the josh bell trade was a ripoff i don't know if the pirates got ripped off getting a couple young pitchers you know, is this going to be Seaver and Kuzman down the road? Is this going to be you know, uh, Glavin and Smoltz for the Pittsburgh Pirates You know, four or five years down the road? Uh, who knows? But to trade a player like Josh Bell in his prime with as much team control as he has left, uh, I, I, I would have thought the Pirates would have put a little bit higher of a price tag on it. But once again, You know, in a dog-eat-dog world, I respect a team that goes out there and says, you know what? you got a great player, a a star player, right about to enter the prime of his career. I'm going to see if he's available. If he is, I'm going to make my best offer. And if my best offer works, I'm going to go trade for that player. And that takes me to the rest of the National League East. We think of the Phillies, we think of the Mets, we think of the Braves, and even the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins are a playoff team. They made the playoffs last year. They're building something good in uh, South Florida. What does Josh Bell going to the Nationals mean for those other teams? It means they better up their ante a little bit. The Phillies brought in David Dombrowski. What does that mean in regards to J.T. Realmuto? I don't know. I think if the Phillies were considering what is in their best interest for the 2021 season it would be to have JT or as their catcher I don't know what they're going to do with their pitching staff you know Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola is as solid of a one and two as there is in baseball you know Zach Eflin took some strides over the last couple of years and maybe you go and bring in another pitcher obviously the Phillies need to rebuild that bullpen they need to get themselves a bullpen that is a lot better than what they had last year. In fact, I take every pitcher that threw a pitch in relief for them and get rid of them and start over and bring in an entirely new bullpen. But this team with JT Realmuto and this team without JT Realmuto will look a lot different. And don't rule out the Nationals. If the Phillies are going to you know, slug their feet through mud here, and put out an offer for J.T. Realmuto that may be underwhelming. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Nationals go out there, swoop in, and make a deal. If they do, good for them. And I may not be the a fan of the Nationals. I may not want to see them win the World, excuse me, win the World Series again. But I respect the team that goes all in all the time. And that takes you to the Mets. I I understand they're spending some time trying to build themselves the perfect front office. They got an owner. They got Sandy Alderson. They brought in Jared Porter and now Zach Scott. They're, they're building an all-star team in their front office, and at some point, that should involve important decisions that are made on the field. Are the Mets on notice now? Signing George Springer might not be enough. That might equal Josh Bell. Nationals have as good of a pitching staff as the Mets, maybe even better. You know, you got the Mets got this Degrom and Stroman. And probably a little bit of a distance between their number three starter. And the Nationals are still running out there. Stroudsburg and Scherzer and Corbin. With, I think, as good of a bullpen. And I said, listen, I'm not going to judge the off seasons of any team until they're completed. We understand that free agency is going to run a little bit slow. Because there's a lot of teams that aren't in business. There's a lot of teams that aren't interested in even signing any Significant free agent and we know the free agents that are out there in baseball are a little bit weaker In regards to a group than in past years So when it comes to trades for Arenado and Lindor to pay those players even for one more season Plus give up prospects I understand there's going to be talk But there is going to be a ton of teams involved The whole National League Central has basically opted out for the 2021 season what team in that division is even going to be trying this year when it comes to free agents? So I would think teams that have money, Mets, Nationals, Angels, you hear you know, maybe a, a little bit here and there with some other teams, go out there and, and an upgrade. Because you're watching the Nationals kind of take the stride. The Braves who rebuilt their starting pitching staff, they feel good with their one through five. Those teams are going to continue to do what they're, they've are they been doing. And if you're the Mets, if you're the Phillies, and I hate to say they're kind of in the same boat because Mets fans are still in this, you know, ridiculous honeymoon, you know, proverbial blowing of Steve Cohen phase that exists right now. And it hasn't been a great off season. And if the Mets sign George Springer, that doesn't make this a great offseason. You add George Springer to the Mets lineup, it's an upgrade, yes. But does that make it better than the Washington Nationals lineup? Does it make it, you know, makes it up there with the Phillies lineup, the Braves lineup? What are the Braves going to do? They're probably going to replace Marzell Ozuna in his bat. You know, like Ozuna replaced Josh Donaldson. There's going to be another power hitting, you know, outfielder or infielder that they're going to bring in. It's going to come in over the course of 162-game season and hit 30 home runs for them. Braves are going to make those extra couple moves because their general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, feels the need for this team to go out there and win the same way Mike Rizzo does. David Dombrowski's entire track record is on going out there and making sure that his team is in the best position to win. I expect the Phillies to be competitive. And you can say the same with the New York Mets, but when you watch the first shots fired in the NL East, I'm loving the Nationals bringing in Josh Bell because that, that's a team that just got better. And if you're the Phillies and you re-signed JT Realmuto, and if you're the Mets and you signed George Springer, I don't know if you've done any more than just equal what the Nationals did by bringing in the all-star first baseman for the Pirates. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball show, JohnPielli.com, and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of programs, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, 2020. A lot of people bring up the continuous uh, bad things that have happened this year from the coronavirus to, um, you know, issues in regards to police brutality. And, you know, when it comes to sports deaths, I don't think we've seen a year like this in a long time. And you could talk about how it exists with baseball and the six Hall of Famers we've lost this year. From Al Kaline to Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, Joe Morgan, Whitey Ford, Bob Gibson. Now, how about it in the NFL? From Don Shula, the legendary head coach with the Miami Dolphins, to Willie Davis, Paul Horning, Gale Sayers, Kevin Green, Willie Wood, Chris Dolman, Bobby Mitchell. And think of the NBA. You know, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Famers we've lost this year. Wes Unseld, Lude Olson, John Thompson, of course, the great Kobe Bryant. And it's amazing to realize that this has all been the same year. Commissioner David Stern, Jerry Sloan, Tom Heinsohn, and of course, Casey Jones, which was just yesterday. And you figured... The year didn't get off to the best of starts. You know, Don Larson threw the only perfect game in the history of the World Series and probably the only one that we'll ever see died on January 1st. David Stern died, you know, right around the same time. Don Imus, the legendary radio personality. It's been been an extremely tough year for the sports world obviously for the world as it exists and for this country. And that little silence there is pretty much for all of the great legendary players that we've lost. And I'll call them out one more time. Kobe Bryant, Tom Seaver, Don Shula, Lou Brock, Casey Jones, Willie Davis, Paul Horning, Tom Heinsohn, Whitey Ford, Al Kaline, David Stern, Gail Sayers, Kevin Green, Jerry Sloan, Joe Morgan, Bob Gibson, John Thompson, Willie Wood, Bobby Mitchell, Lute Olsen, Chris Dolman. Just a really, really sad year. You think of some of the greats that have ever played any sports. And you can do shows upon shows just going over the great accomplishments of these legendary players and coaches. Think about how much winning Shula and Thompson and Olsen have done. And Jerry Sloan. I mean, there was a point where I thought there was never going to be another coach of the Utah Jazz other than Jerry Sloan. You know, you think of the starting rotation of Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson and Whitey Ford. And I don't care who your four and five are. I'm going with those three over the majority of other rotations you're going to have out there. Yeah, you, know, you think of of course Kobe Bryant just by himself and the sad circumstances involving his death. And you know, the tragic plane crash, the helicopter crash, and it's one of those moments where you're gonna try to where you're gonna try to remember exactly what you were doing when you found out. And who am I to even make my moment even make it sound like it, it it's even worth it? or on the same level as anybody else. I remember watching the Pro Bowl with my dad. Find you know listening to the 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 play by play announcer kind of fumble over his words and like come on t- today in junior what happened? And you find out it's uh, you know the legendary Kobe Bryant, great Hall of Famer, same age as me. You know being taken you know at such a young age. And yeah, I mean I don't know I don't know where else to go from there. Yeah, you want to talk about NBA on Christmas? Something that yeah, it's great for the NBA. I'm glad that they got five games that they're playing. But when you got networks that are out there promoting, uh, oh wow, this is the most so, you know, so and so has ever done on a Christmas. I don't look at Christmas NBA like it's some sort of a holier-than-thou issue. You know, I still think of Christmas being because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I understand, you know, we want to promote the NBA. We want the NBA to grow a little bit. You know, we feel like it's kind of fallen a little bit to probably number three in regards to the most popular sports in our country. And... You know, you look at a time like Christmas Where most people are home uh, and, and it's a good chance to see some Of the better teams in the NBA And I think there's no coincidence That what the NBA Kind of views As the 10 best teams in the sport Were all on the court On Christmas Day We understand with New Orleans Maybe that they're a year or so away But, you know, you saw the talent That they have with Zion Williamson And Brandon Ingram and by the way, you think of Brandon Ingram, probably one of the more underrated players in the entire NBA. He is on that star level. Him and Zion are a duo. A duo like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with the Boston Celtics. Like Durant and Kyrie Irving with the Brooklyn Nets. And you, you watch the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, a what, the best team of the past decade. We understand Clay Thompson's out. He's not going to play this year. But how far have they fallen? Steph Curry, that great star that he is, isn't strong enough to be able to carry that team and put that team on his back. I understand Andrew Wiggins is still a developing young player and you're waiting for him to break out. James Wiseman, they took with the number two overall pick. Those are guys that are going to get good looks this year. But man, you know, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant—they're not on that team anymore, and the Warriors have—that uh, they're not uh, amongst the elite teams in the NBA anymore. And perhaps, if you're the Warriors, you know, you're getting a little bit of the maximum um, maximization of your brand of what's been great for the NBA and being in the NBA Finals for so many years in a row, and. You know, the times they won, the times they lost. I mean, a tough loss to Toronto, that was a big deal. But their time is over. And I think it is time for the Nets. It's time for, you know, the Lakers to continue their rise in another Laker dynasty. Maybe the Clippers get involved. Maybe Boston gets involved. Maybe the Greek freak. Maybe you'll see New Orleans take that next step over the next couple of years. I think the NBA is in a good spot, but, you know, maybe it's time to not promote the Golden State Warriors like you did three years ago, because, you know, I've watched them twice opening game against the Nets on Christmas Day, and in both situations, get blown off the court. They're not an elite team in the NBA. A little bit of a recap of the show today. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I love the Josh Bell trade for the Nationals. And this is coming from a Mets fan. I like the competition. I like the Annie to be raised for not just the Mets, but the Phillies and the Braves in that division. To say, hey, you know what you're planning on doing may not be enough the Phillies with Real Muto, the Mets with Springer may not necessarily be better than the Nationals with Josh Bell. So they better come ready to play in 2021. Talked a little bit about Christmas and the NBA. Uh, Obviously, Alvin Kamara going out there, getting six touchdowns in one game. Ernie Nevers. 2020 has been a tough year on many fronts, but mostly... In regards to the world of sports Hall of Famers, 22 Hall of Famers between baseball, football, and basketball, we've lost this year. So stay tuned for the 1230 version of the Passball Show, which is next Wednesday, the 30th day of December 2020. We're going to do a recap of the top PBS points over the course of the 2020 year. 70 episodes I'm not going to get in every single one but we're going to reiterate the biggest takes that we have had here on the past fall show, some of the top comments and contributions so I hope you tune in to the program this coming Wednesday the 30th day of December which will be the last show of 2020 hope you enjoy the rest of your Christmas celebration and Hanukkah and as you prepare for the new year God bless you, and as always, I see you on the other side.